From the Word of God, Romans chapter 8. Hear God's Word this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may be glorified with Him. Let's pray together. God bless us now through Your Word, not only to our minds to understand it, but within our spirit to live it that through our lives others may know that you are God. In Jesus' name, amen. Were you afraid of the dark when you were young? Most people were. It's all right. You can admit it. Raise your hand. No, just kidding. Were you afraid? Did, 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 did you have that sort of sense that when you were lying on your bed and your arm hung down, you remember that? I remember that. Your arm hung down. Like he's like, <laughs> gonna bring it back up here. You know, you're worried that something's gonna grab your arm. You ever had that, that irrational fear? I remember, uh, you know, turning off the light and uh, having to climb the steps, you know, out of a basement or out of a garage, you know, and uh, and feeling like there was something behind me. You remember this? You remember this? Y'all are leaving me, you know, leaving me out on the, the, the branch, right? And I'm hearing it saw. It's like, yeah, that's just you, Tim. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah, sure. 
Remember this now, so you have this sense that something is behind you, and so it, it kind of, it's motivating, right? Maybe you bound up the steps faster than you ever have before. A lot of times there are, uh, there are drivers in life that do motivate us, and sometimes there's a healthy fear that drives us. There's certain healthy fears that we hold on to. But fear is not the driver of the Christian life. Now, they, the Old Testament says, Solomon says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We have to unpack what fear means. A lot of times that's really a sense of awe and reverence, right? A sense of his otherness. But the emotion of fear is not the driver of the Christian life. We're not just called to run from an old life or run from the flesh or run away from those things that, that make us feel guilty or ashamed or those things in our past that, that make us uh, feel as if we're not even living a good life. So the question is, how do we have blessed assurance? How do we have confidence that we're living the right kind of life? How do we have confidence that we are indeed children of God? How do we have confidence that God's Spirit is indeed in us? And Paul says, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I press on towards the upward call in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of times we think, I need to have a, a Pauline or a Paul-like conversion, right? Some drama. You know, people joke sometimes, well, he's, he, uh, he went to college and started working on his testimony, right? That's code for, well, he's trying to create some sort of, he, he's going through a season where uh, he's going to have a serious, uh, you know, come to Jesus repentance, dramatic repentance moment at the end of it. That, that's, that's what that's code for. Is that, is that what we need to have assurance of faith? Is the dramatic turn? Paul himself. Paul, would, but Paul doesn't hold himself to Timothy saying, Timothy, where are the scales falling from your eyes? Did, did you, go mute, for th you, know, did you go, go mute for three days? No, he, he sees something in Timothy. Even his own protege does not have the same kind of dramatic conversion experience. Some people come come to, to Christ through the course of their lives and they have these awakening moments. Some people, some people uh, come, and I'm not saying that this is just some sort of educational thing. There is, there is something to which we look that gives us a strong sense of assurance of faith. And what is that? It's, it's changing desire. It's not being motivated by what we're running from. It's the desire of what we're running towards. Let's take a look at how desire manifests itself in the Christian life. The life in the Spirit. That's how the Christian life is described. It's life in the Spirit. How does it, what does it look like? How, how can you know and have quiet assurance Confidence that you've been saved, that you are on the right path, that you're living the right kind of life. It's by looking at the changing desires, the desire to know God, the desire to, to 
grow in Christ, the desire to go into all of life's circumstances. All right, so let's take a look. So first of all, we have quiet assurance of faith. When we sense a desire to know God more, know the one who forgave you, know the one who has, who has said a word over your life of forgiveness. We have a desire to know him. Do you have that desire? Do you want to know the one? You know, a lot of times you and I will forgive people, right? But we won't forget. I've heard people say that to me time to time. Oh, I forgive. Yeah, I don't have any problem forgiving. But I don't forget. Here, what's being said in verse 1. I think we often fail to understand this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The forgiveness that we experience in Christ, that's offered to us in Christ, is God not just forgiving, but forgetting. He pushes that, that C button, that clear button on the calculator that clears the deck. As far as the east is from the west, so I will remember your sin no more. That's what God said. And we think, well, of course, he's God. I mean, I can remember it. Surely he remembers it. What's he saying? He's saying when he looks at you, he doesn't see your past anymore. He doesn't see it. It's gone. What, what, what he's saying is there's a power of justification here. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. But, but the problem that we have is, is not God's forgiveness and not his forgetfulness of our past. The problem that you and I have a lot of times is believing that he forgets, that he's done. Believing that that's the nature of his forgiveness, that you have been set free. We, we think of it as something that, that sort of happens by and by. But he forgets. And it's so crucial that we get this. You know, uh, Carl Menninger, who set up uh, Menninger Clinics across the country, he's a a very noted, uh, internationally known uh, psychiatrist. He said 75% of the people who are suffering with mental illness in a residential program, he says, Carl Manager says this, he says 75% of them could go home tomorrow if they believed they were forgiven of their past. Let that sink in. Has it sunk into you? Has forgiveness gotten to the place in your life, in your heart, your mind, that you're saying, who does this? Right? Who does this? Good question. See, when we get to that place where it's, it's just like, who does this? Who forgives that or who forgives who could forgive me and we get to that place a new desire is planted in your heart that says yes who does that the one you know a lot of times we we're known but not fully known and people like us because we think that 
They just know the part of us we want them to see. But God knows you fully and forgives you fully. So crucial. He knows you fully better than you know yourself. And you're forgiven fully. If you and I embraced that, understood that, we would say, and when we do, we say, who does that? Let me know the one. A desire begins to grow in you to know the one who has set you free. There's a, there's a uh, cartoon, uh, you know, an old Peanuts cartoon where um, Lucy is looking outside and it's just a torrential downpour and she's saying, what if the whole earth floods again? She's afraid. And Linus says, well, in Genesis chapter 9, it says, you know, he sends a rainbow. God sends a rainbow as a promise that he'll never do that again. And she says, oh, I feel so much better. And he says, well, good theology does that. <laughs> Carl Menninger is saying, Paul is saying, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free. You have a new relationship to the law. Yes, there is, there is this sense that, uh, that we're not done yet, but don't let that tell you anything about your salvation other than what is being said. It is so crucial that we live into the promise of forgiveness. It's powerful even on a psychological level. How much more on a spiritual level then? Can life begin to change from the inside out when we truly embrace the justification that's behind you, that's done, pressing on towards the upward call, this one thing, pressing on. Paul doesn't look back at his conversion experience. I know it's important to a lot of you that you've had one of those. Not everybody has one. So how do you know that you've been saved? Do you have a desire to know the one? Do you know his forgiveness in such a way that you say, who does that? Let me know him more. The second is this. People who have a quiet assurance of faith. They have a desire to know God more, but they also have a desire to grow more. They have a desire to grow more. Let's see what it looks like to have this desire to grow more. Rather than running away from, they're running towards something. There's a new relationship to the law. They're not afraid of breaking the law. They're saying, how can the law help me become more of what God intends to me, for me to be? There's a new relationship to the law. Let, let me illustrate what I'm talking about. So Beth showed me this, um, this, this funny little um, article yesterday about a Chinese company that has, uh, that has asked all of its workers to get a certain number of steps, so like 10,000 steps a day, right? And, and many of you all have little Fitbits or whatever, and you're keeping track of your steps. And, and this company wants its workers to be very fit. And so somebody has come up with this little gadget where you can put your phone in, you know, during de the day and it'll rock it kind of like a baby. And so it'll, it'll, it'll put in the steps and then you can register that you've got your 10,000 steps and make sure you got over the top. So, you, so, so there's this little video of this phone just kind of sitting at somebody's workstation, jing, 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 jing. And, and they're getting their steps in. Incredible. Some of y'all are... are, are Searching the internet right now for this little gadget, right? Aren't you? No. Somebody is holding you accountable to your steps, and you're going to get them in this week. 
But now imagine this. Imagine that somebody who has that little gadget, right, and they're, they're thwarting the system. Imagine that they're driving on a deserted highway, and their car breaks down, and they hate to exercise. They just cannot stand it. Whenever they are invited to go to the gym or whenever they think about going and doing something where they have to double their heart rate for 20 minutes, it's just like, oh, no, I just cannot do that. Now imagine them breaking down, and there's no help, and they're out of cell phone service. And here, you know, uh, they have to walk. And he decides, this particular guy decides, okay, I can see where I need to go. I'm just going to cut through the woods and cuts through the woods and goes on a day-long hike to get back to civilization. And somewhere in the middle of this, somewhere in the middle of this walk, there is this, this deep breath and this sense of euphoria. And, and there's, it occurs to this person, it occurs to, to you, maybe it's you, and you're, you're walking along and you think, you know, I'm kind of enjoying this walk. I like this. This is making me feel much better. And at the end of the walk, you think to yourself, I wonder if exercise could be like this. I wonder if exercise could be like this every day. And you know what's, what's being said in, in some ways in, in verses uh, 14 and 15 in, in verses, not, not, not 14 and 15, I'm jumping ahead. In verses 1 and in verse 5, let me read it again for you. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. There's a great confusion that, uh, especially in Reformed circles, that justification, what we covered in terms of God's forgiveness, is all that there is in the Christian life, that we need to just keep going back to justification and that everything springs from there, that, that, that the change that comes from, from, uh, from following Christ all stems from embracing forgiveness again and again and again. Now, that is true, but, but that's not all there is to it. You see, your relationship to the law is changed. And this is where a lot of reformed bodies get it wrong. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, Reformed teaching gets it wrong. There's an emphasis on grace to the exclusion of the emphasis on effort. Now you say, oh, oh now you're going to put the, the law back on me, Tim, and I'm not under the law anymore. It says the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's right. You have a new relationship to the law. What is that relationship? Get this straight. Effort is not the same thing as earning. Effort is not the same as earning. Such that when you approach obedience, when, when you and I look at the law, look at the things that we're supposed to be doing, we no longer are running away from our past. We're no longer driven. It's the motivation that you need to look at this morning. It's the desire that you need to look at. Not a desire to flee from the past and earn God's favor, but instead to recognize there's a new desire in your heart, a new relationship to the law, such that when you obey him, that desire, like the one who is discovering exercise all over again, you can have a desire to grow. And the means, the means through obedience, the means to participate in your own growth. Did you follow that? So crucial. Why do we obey God if he's done it all? 
Why, why if it's by grace we've been saved through faith, not by works, lest anyone look at ourselves and boast, then why should we obey? Why should we try to follow Jesus? Why should we try to, to make good decisions and healthy choices? Why should we do that? Because there's a new desire, and it's a desire to grow. And when God puts his spirit in you, See, in justification, he's doing something for us that we can't do for ourselves. But through sanctification, he's doing something in us that we can participate in. But the desire matters, and not a desire to run from, to put your more distance from your past, not to earn anything, but a desire for what God has for you in growing. It's a new mindset. It's a new sense that God's God has broken the power of sin. Yes, it continues to influence you, but it does not have to dominate you. He's broken that power. And so we desire to have more of what he would offer to us now. You see, it says there is therefore, verse 1, now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law. And then he goes on and he teases out how some people are walking by the flesh. Some people are doing really good things, but they're walking by the flesh. Some people are involved in all kinds of other things that you may not characterize as particularly churchy, but they're walking in them according to the Spirit. You see, we can walk out our faith. We can have effort that isn't earning. And that desire begins to tell you, Yes, you're a child of God. Yes, you should have confidence. And finally this. You and I know that we're saved. We know that we're walking in Christ. Not only because, not only because we, we, we have sought to know God more, not only because we've sought to grow more, but because we're willing to go. You say, oh, no, no, I, I, I don't want to leave my job and, and go do that missionary thing. No, I'm talking about going right where you are. Now, maybe you might be called, might be called to a short-term mission, you might be called to, to some kind of mission that you haven't even conceived of yet. But, but put that out of your mind. Don't, don't, don't think of that. First things first, and the first thing is this, that when Jesus says, go into all nations and make disciples, he's saying, as you go, make disciples. And so everything we do, everything we do is to go. Now, I'm not talking about polishing your halo everywhere. I'm not like, you're not sitting around going, okay, I'm at the football game and I gotta make sure that I'm looking holy. All right, I'm gonna polish my halo, all right? I'm going to the football game and I wanna go to the football game and I know that a lot of times people think of that as a worldly thing and it's not a church thing, but I'm just gonna polish my halo and so I can be there. I'm gonna say amen and hallelujah instead of go team, right? I'm just gonna say amen, amen, brother. You did a great play. No, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying sprinkle religious sprinkles all over your life. He's saying go into every situation with the newness of Christ that you have. You see, there's, there, it's trite but true. Free people, people who are free, free people, free people. You see, when you have a desire to know God more, a desire to grow more in Him, you're going to want that for other people. God has done something for us. He's done something in us. And now, with that desire, that new desire, that assurance of faith, it expresses itself in wanting the same thing for other people. Not from them. 
A lot of times it looks like this. A lot of times you think of somebody who, who's really uh, um, fired up, let's just say, or full of the Spirit. Sometimes we, we think that that person is just sort of holier than thou. It's not true. It's not true. I, I love Flannery O'Connor. I've mentioned her before, but there's a character in Revelation. If you ever want to read uh, Flannery O'Connor, I'd you know, start with Revelation. A friend of mine who's an expert in, in her, in, in, he's written a biography. He says, Tell people, if they ever want to start reading her, start with Revelation. And, and in this book called Revelation, there's a woman named Mrs. Turpin, and she's always looking at people's feet. Flannery O'Connor shows you the person's character rather than telling you. You see, people who are becoming increasingly holy, they don't want something from you. They're not looking down on you, or you're not looking down on them. That's why Mrs. Turpin is looking at people's feet. She's always looking down on people. If the Spirit of Christ is alive in you, then, then you have a desire to know Him more. You have a desire to grow in Him more. You have a new relationship to the law, and you want that for other people. And so we're called to go into all these situations. Verse 19, look at that again with me. Uh, I didn't read this, but I saved it for now. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. The creation, even the creation, waits with eager longing. Do you believe, do you understand that there are people in your life that are waiting with eager longing for a word of truth, a word of hope? Mother Teresa puts it this way. Not all of us can do great things, but all of us can do small things with great love. What are you doing with great love? What are you doing with great love? Are you, are you, are you feeling called back into the triangle of that, that situation, that relationship? Maybe, it, maybe it's something in your family. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a difficult relationship. Maybe it's, maybe, it's, um, maybe it's a difficult problem. Maybe it's a mess that you're in the middle of. And, and you think, you know, to be in Christ means to be above it or beyond it or take a step back from it or, or separate yourself from it. No, you're called to go right back into it, back into the mess. And sometimes you're going to get that on you, right? You're going to get it on you. Well, that's what we're called, to know him, to grow in him, and with the assurance of faith and great confidence to go into every situation as free people to free people. Let's pray together. Holy God, we thank you for the life-changing power through your spirit, not just that life is meaningful because we know truth, but that your spirit is powerful in and through us. God, this morning, in the quiet of this place, as we close with a song of blessed assurance, would you speak a word of peace over us again? But for those who are living life apart from you, Lord, would you well up in them a sense of urgency, a sense of concern. We would not have anyone have a false sense of assurance in this place. But Lord, at the same time, there are so many in here who are doubting their faith in ways that are not healthy. They simply need to believe in your forgiveness fully. So God, would you speak a word of peace over their lives in such a way that they would not doubt what you've already done. And for each one of us, help us to walk in your ways 
and to walk it out in life's circumstances that others may know of the freedom that, that is ours. We make this our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.